Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and today our podcast on carefully examining the text is an examination of Psalm 36. Psalm 36 is addressed for the choir director, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. And here are the words of the text. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit, and he has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you in your uprightness, to the, in your righteousness, to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have, they have been thrust down and cannot rise. You may remember Psalm 1 contrast the righteous man with the wicked man. This contrast is more interesting. It contrasts not the righteous and wicked man, but it contrasts the wicked man with the righteous God, with how righteous and holy God is. In Psalm 36.1, transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. If you are reading the New International Version, you may notice that verse 1 differs greatly from the New American Standard and the English Standard Versions. Without going into too much detail, I think the New American Standard and English Standard are more faithful to the original text here. The difficulty is this word speaks is a word that's generally translated oracle, and it is generally followed with something like an oracle of the Lord or an oracle from the Lord. You see it used that way in Psalm 110 verse 1 and in Isaiah 30 and verse 1. Here, the oracle is delivered by transgression or rebellion. It is rebellion or transgression that is speaking. The ungodly man, in verse 1, has no fear of God before his eyes. But because he's eliminated the fear of God from his life, transgression and rebellion speak loudly and clearly to him.
and it registers deep within his heart. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart, and there is no fear of God before his eyes. The word eyes used in verse 1 is also used in verse 2. When there's no fear of God before his eyes, in verse 1, it flatters him in his eyes, in verse 2. Because there's no fear of God, he exalts himself in self-adoration and self-praise. Not fearing God, the psalmist wicked man becomes the center of his own universe. The wicked man becomes the center of his world. He thinks no one can discover his sin or that his sin is not that serious. His words are painful and deadly in verse 3. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to do evil and he, um, he ceased to be wise and to do good. Apparently, at one time, this man was wise and did good, but here he has ceased to be wise and to do good, and he plans wickedness upon his bed in verse 4. Micah 2 verses 1 and 2 paints a similar picture to this. Proverbs 4 in verse 16 paints a similar picture. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He is opposite of the man in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, who's meditating upon the word of God day and night, and even upon his bed, meditating upon these words. He is setting himself on a path that is not good, and he does not despise evil. When we don't despise evil, we leave ourselves open to it. The wicked man in Psalm 36 doesn't despise evil, and so it looks attractive to him and speaks to him in his heart. That is the picture of the wicked man, verses 1 through 4. But what a powerful contrast when we see the glory and the holiness of the Lord. Verses, six, verses 5 and 6 mention four attributes of God. His loving kindness, His faithfulness, His righteousness, and His judgments. And it all uses an illustration from nature in order to establish how great these attributes are in God. O oh, oh Lord, your loving kindness extends to the heavens. This is a way to say there are no limitations and there are no boundaries for God's loving kindness. Your loving kindness extends to the heavens. Similar language is used to this in Psalm 5710, in Psalm 103 verse 11, Psalm 108 verse 4. 
Your loving kindness extends to the heavens. If there is one word in the Old Testament that best describes the character of God, it is this word, loving kindness. And if we want to know how that word is used, look at the Psalms, because the Psalms contain half of the references to God's loving kindness in the Old Testament. Your loving kindness extends to the heaven. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. God is faithful, reliable, dependable. God is a God who keeps his covenant. God is a God who does what he promises. And the Bible tells us in verse 6, that his righteousness is like the mountains of God. Now again, here some of your translations will go different directions. The New American Standard says it is like the mountains of God, taking the Hebrew El as a reference to God. Some take that word El as simply an intensification that his righteousness uh, reaches to the highest of mountains, that expresses the greatest magnificence of God's righteousness. Your righteousness are like the greatest of mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. He takes the heavens, the skies. He takes the uh, great deep, uses these all as illustrations of the attributes of God. All of this a way to say that God is beyond our ability to grasp or to understand or describe that God ultimately is unfathomable. And this is a God whose righteousness and holiness, whose judgments whose love, whose faithfulness is beyond our ability to grasp. That word loving kindness appears three times in the Psalms. We already dealt with verse 5. It comes up again in verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! And the children of men take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Remember the evil man of verses 1 and 2? There is no fear of God before his eyes. But what a contrast to the fact that the people who are thoughtful are taking refuge in this God. This God whose faithfulness reaches the skies and whose loving kindness reaches the heavens is our refuge and our shelter. And he can provide for us abundantly. In verse 8, they drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. God's blessings, God's, the water that God gives from God's house is delightful. It is abundant. For with you, verse 9 says, is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. God's loving kindness and righteousness resurface again in verse 10. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. 
God, a faithful God, a loyal God. In verse 11, don't let the wicked prevail. Let not the foot of pride come upon me. And let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. Now, in connection with verse 11, it may be referencing passages like Joshua chapter 10 in verse 24. When Israel defeated the kings of Canaan, they put their feet upon the necks of those particular kings. In Isaiah 51, beginning with verse 17, the enemy who was defeated in battle was made to lay down, and the enemy walked across them. Let not the foot of pride come upon me. The psalmist is asking that those experiences may not happen to him, that the wicked may not put their feet upon his neck, or walk across his back in victory. Let that not happen, O God. And he sees in verse 12, the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have been thrust down, and they cannot rise. They are brought down. The wicked who are described in verses 1 through 4 will ultimately fall and will not be able to rise. Now, as we have gone through these psalms, and certainly more could be said about Psalm 36, but how does this psalm point to Jesus? There are several ways in which this is true. You may notice that verse 1, there is no fear of God before their eyes, is actually quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans chapter 3 in verse 18. Paul's point in Romans 3 is to emphasize that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of God's glory. We are in desperate need of his grace. And he quotes this verse. Now this verse is describing the wicked. But what we see from its use in Romans 3 is maybe it describes us more than we would like to admit it. Have we ever lived and eliminated the fear of God from our thinking and acted as if we would never stand before him in judgment? I have, and you have. And what this shows us, is the loving kindness of God that is revealed in Psalm 36, verse 5, is desperately needed by us because we are guilty, because we have sinned, because we have done wrong and deserve his judgment. But God's loving kindness has been extended to us. These words, loving kindness, faithfulness, righteousness, and judgment, these words that appear in verses 5 and 6, and God's attributes are praised, God's loving kindness and faithfulness reach to the heavens and the sky. His righteousness is as enduring as the mountains, as the greatest of mountains, and his judgments are so profound, they reach the lowest depths. All of these attributes of God are demonstrated in the cross of Christ. In the cross of Christ, 
we see God's loving kindness. God's loving kindness in God's faithfulness and loyalty to his covenant. We as a people were disobedient and rebellious to him. But he as God was faithful and loyal to us. In the cross, we see the loving kindness of God. The word used in the Septuagint translation is the word mercy. God's mercy is demonstrated via the cross. God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness is demonstrated via the cross. And this is the word truth in the Septuagint. The Bible tells us that God's righteousness is like the mountains. The cross is a demonstration of the righteousness of God in Romans 3, 21 through 26. If you're to read Romans 3, 21 through 26 closely, seems like the word righteous is used in a couple of different ways, but part of it is just to describe God's plan of making us right, God bringing us in a right relationship with him. And that happens via the cross right after Romans 3, verses 9 through 20, convicts us of sin. Romans 3, verses 20, 21 through 26 shows God's provided the answer in the cross. And Jesus is life. As verse 9 says, you, for with you is the fountain of life. Jesus is life. He is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John fourteen and verse six. Jesus fulfills the words of Psalm thirty six. He is the life. He is the light, as Psalm thirty six nine says. In John one verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. I am the light of the world, Jesus said in John 8, 12 and John 9, 5. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. And Jesus provides the water of life, John 4, 10 and John 7, 37. Just as verse 8 talks about, they will drink their fill of abundance of your house and you will give them to drink of the rivers of your delight. Jesus said, the one that drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. Jesus fulfills the words of Psalm 36. We thank you for faithfully listening to this podcast. And we hope that you read the text over and over. And if you do, we believe you'll benefit from reading the text. And we hope the podcast can add a few things to help you better understand the scriptures as we carefully examine the text. May the Lord bless you.